Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, we're going to start a brand new series, and I'm just glad to be back. Thanks to Chase for doing a great job with the End Time series for the last four weeks. But man, you know, when, when you don't preach for a while and that's what you do, you, you start rubbing your hands and you're talking to chihuahuas and anybody, you know, oh, there's an ant. Do you know Jesus? You know, it's like, just want to talk to somebody. So I'm excited to be back. We're going to start this series. It's called The Blessed Life, okay? And um, I think we all want it. We all need it. But I don't think anybody really knows how to get it. And in God's economy, the blessed life isn't money, it isn't things, it isn't houses, it isn't financial future. It's a state, I call it, the blessed life, I call it a state of being, okay? Where it's, it doesn't really even matter with, about stuff because the stuff realistically, if we want to get you know, complicated theology, it's not yours anyway. So it's like the blessed life is a state of being, right? The principles that God lays out in his word will, will provide for you because that's the way it's set up. But how many of you know it's not really for you? It's to bless someone else with or get the gospel to another corner of the world, which we're going to talk about today. And yes, it's a financial series. Yes, it's a giving series. So be ready for that. It will help you to understand how this works because there has been so many name and claimant ministries who have misused what we're going to talk about for financial gain. And that's not our goal in this. Um, we are going to, uh, there was two, two real series in my life that I can point to and say really changed my life. This was one and Financial Peace University was the other. I don't know if you know who Dave Ramsey is, but that whole class, if you have money issues, that class will help you. Um, we, maybe we'll do it in a small group someday or whatever. But God told me several years ago, I would guess, that not to do like an offering lesson in church. God instructed me specifically to tell you how to give. Use the envelope, you can text, you can put it in a box, you can do that, and that's it. No scriptures, no lessons, no nothing. And then the Lord said, teach one series every couple of years on giving, and that's it. Rely on me for the rest. Let me, God said to me, he said, let me, God, deal with the people. And I'm like, okay, how much faith does that take? Way more than I had, because I was like pacing, and I'm like, Lord, you don't understand. Then COVID came. Then everything went up a whole nother level, right? Because that, that was not, not an easy thing, right? So here we are. So let's start with some pre-message statements that hopefully will release you from bondage, as well as me, okay? So uh, listen to this series objectively, meaning let's... Forget everything you know, and let's go back to scratch and start with the Bible, right? We'll do more of that next week. And then on top of that, I want you to understand something. This ministry, this church is way solvent. I'm not teaching this series to because we're in trouble, because we can't pay the rent, because we can't pay who we pay on staff, all that stuff. That is way not the case. And I want to share with you where we have come from through, how many of you know there's a global pandemic? Let me just share with you what God's done in this church during a global pandemic, right? Uh, many of you have been with us for a while. We used to meet at the community center in daybreak. And then COVID came and the community center closed us out. They said, nobody's coming in this place until this calms down. Um, we went online on our YouTube channel, and we just did online services for a season. 
Then we had church in Dave and Polly's basement, actually, out in Harriman for a season. And in those seasons, of course, we stopped all our marketing, stopped it, stopped it, stopped all of our, our outreach, all of our everything, because you really can't grow a church in a basement. And you're not really, I mean, you could grow a YouTube channel, but that's just like social media posts and boosting. Right, so we were kind of just in limbo, and at the time we stopped, we had more momentum than I had ever seen in this church. We, had, we were growing, we were expanding, we had a lot of people coming to the community center. We were in a great place. And then COVID happened and everything stopped. And, and of course, you know, when, when you're the guy who signs the checks and does the accounting, you're like, oh boy, and you can hear it already. All the businesses are like, what are we gonna do? Of course, the media puts all this fear into you, like, oh, the world's ending and everything's going to stop and nobody's going to be alive at the end of this thing. Uh, as somebody who spent eight days in the hospital and was very sick with COVID, you will survive. It's okay, right? There is at the other end, you'll be okay, all right? So let me just remind you of where we were during this, comp this, this pandemic, right? We had no organized services. We had nothing but connect groups that were meeting on Zoom. And how many of you know, through that whole, it was like a year and a half, the people, the faithful people of Bridge Church, which is all of you, continued to give, continued to serve. We didn't have to, uh, the best blessing in that whole thing was we didn't have to pay rent for like two years. But yet our church continued to grow and expand. Our YouTube channel picked up speed. So much so, listen to this, this will freak you out. And, and our overseers, like we're in a meeting with them talking about securing this building. And they're like, who does this? In the middle of a pandemic, secures a building, not only secured the building at the middle, in the middle of a pandemic, but then does a building project following that, not knowing if anybody's even going to come or who's left, because we haven't been meeting but for in the basement for a season, and we had to stop that because when it got cold, our kids couldn't be outside anymore. So we went back online, and yet people were still giving. And all of that giving, because we had no overhead, was going in a savings account. And I'm like, Lord, this is great. We're, we're pumping the savings account. This is awesome. What are we going to use this for? Who, in the middle of a pandemic, secures a building, not only secures the building, but does a $90,000 building project and builds it out, completes it, does, gets the certificate of occupancy, jumps through all the hoops that the city of Han Sandy wanted us to do, which were more than one or 10, about 15 actually, really small hoops that were really a burden to my lower back side, okay? <laughs> he said that. <laughs> my wife was like, you said that. <laughs> anyway, during a global pandemic, who does this? Jesus. I mean, come on. All that money that we didn't pay rent went to the building project and paid for all the stuff in here. Pastor Terry at Calvary Chapel called one day and said, hey, I got about 300 chairs. You want them? Who does that? Jesus. So when I say this church is solvent, it's way solvent. We're not teaching this series to get your money. The church doesn't need your money. We want you to be blessed so you can bless someone else. Are you with me on this, right? It was amazing that during a pandemic, a ministry our size, which I don't even like to call it a small ministry because look around here, between all these people and everybody who's online, it's not a small ministry, so take that out of your vocabulary, please. We still did it, not knowing if anybody was going to come. And we had money left over. And because we have set this up the way it is, and for a season, there was a season where nobody took a paycheck, but we had to fix that because we needed a talented guy. So even at the end of all of that building project, we still secured a worship leader who's pretty good, right? We, we pay a handful of people because there's no volunteers for those jobs. And we're still solvent, and we still pay all our bills every month, and we still save a couple thousand bucks a month. Amen. So don't 
think that we're teaching the blessed life to make everything better because it can't really get any, well, it could, but it's not going to get much better. We are well secured. We, this business is well solvent. Have I beat that horse enough? Are you convinced? Okay. We set this ministry up so that originally that the tithing of the staff supported everything. Unfortunately, it's not that way anymore because of this place and the insurance and everything else that goes with it, but we are solvent, right? And here's why, because we are a giving church. Everything that comes into this church goes right back out. And I want to share these things with you because I want to dispel any notions that this is to, to make money, because that's not why. This is about you being, having a, a, a blessed life. And like I said before, it's about you being who God wants you to be, okay? So much like our personal lives, we need to be a giving, worshiping church, right? And that's really not about what happens right here. It's about what happens out there. Taking this message to the nations. And that's what today is about. We're calling this Mission Sunday, and you saw the flags when you came in, and we're going to talk about this stuff today because part one of this series is going to be about taking the gospel to the corners of the earth, okay? And these flags are Bangladesh flags, and we're going to talk about more on that in a minute. But I want to share with you how we give to the community, how we help plant churches, and how we go to the world, okay? First of all, we give 10% of everything that comes in goes right back out. And we give to the Pregnancy Resource Center. How many of you know that the unborn are kind of important? Big brawl going on about that right now. We believe that they are children from conception. Amen. Period. Amen. The road home in Midvale, right up the street here, homeless shelter, right? We have that little thing between the bathrooms there. If you got socks and clothes and shoes and you want to donate to them, put it there. We also send them cash every month because we believe that there shouldn't be a need. Right? Chase kind of talked about that. Never walk past a need. Try it one day. You'll be amazed how much need you fly by. Christians United for Israel, we give to them because Israel is pretty important in the last days. The Association of Related Churches, uh, ARC, trained us to plant this church, and they plant churches all over the world. We send them money every month because we want to get the gospel out. It's not about this. It's about that, getting it out. Widows who are grieving as well as grief share. We do grief share, and it costs nothing to anybody. That's all they have to purchase is a workbook. That's it, right? As long as widows who are grieving who have lost their husband and lost their source, right? Uh, gift cards to families in need. This ministry, just so everybody in this place knows, this church will never hand out cash to anyone. Right? It's in the form of gift cards to help you with groceries, or somebody will bring you groceries. How about this one? Dinners delivered. How many of you have, have had dinners dropped at your door when you've had COVID, sick, family tragedy, whatever? Right? It's a great thing that we do, and it's part of giving to the church. And the final one here is one that we've had for a long time. It's um, uh, Christian Outreach Ministries International. That was our church planning platform that we sowed money into that was planting churches in South America, Vietnam, Israel, everywhere. But as I shared a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Lou Torres passed away, and his wife retired. So that ministry is, is not out planting churches anymore. They are um, kind of just doing uh, what Aida, who will be here hopefully soon to, to preach, and you better pull your socks up when she comes because she is wild. She is crazy, and it's fun. And she's just serious about life, but she's narrowed their ministry into just a local ministry now. So our need was for another global church planning ministry. That's what we needed to give into. And we found one um, through some new people at our church who are doing a great job. So I'm going to call Penny Webster up. She's going to come and share with you some stuff. And here's what happens. Um, these people have amazing gifts, her and her husband, John, who's in the back in the great-looking, beautiful sweatshirt back there. Uh, but they came to our ministry, and they came the right way, 
right? They came, did growth track, came, did uh, very patiently and quietly, just kind of sewn their soul in to what we're doing here. And now they have hit the ground running with their gifts and talents being used in our church. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? So they, they came in and did the thing. Now, Penny's going to come and share exactly what we're going to go forward with as far as uh, ministry and, and what's going to happen as far as our global ministry and what's happening with um, Bangladesh and, and how that's going to work for uh, our church. So pay attention. Take some Turn it on. There is a handout that goes with this. So you can keep track of the scriptures and the notes and make some comments in there. This is important. This is our lifeblood. It's extremely important to us as pastors that we get the word someplace else. And I'm going to come up at the end. I'm going to talk about the 1040 window and how you can be involved. Amen? Welcome, Penny. Aww. All right. Hello. Good morning. Oh, wow, you guys, we just love this church so much. We just thank you so much for this opportunity, and it's such a blessing to be here. We are blessed. But a little bit about uh, me and my husband. Um, we came from North Carolina. We just moved here about a year ago, and we served as children's pastors or children's ministers. Um, and these are the group of kids. We, he had, uh, the church had a van, um, and he would go out and he would pick up the Spanish kids from a little community, a trailer park. It was only about five, ten minutes from the church, so it was really nearby. And we just loved on these kids. And I don't even think we knew what we were doing at the beginning. We were just, especially me. Well, he might have known, but I, I was just like, okay, I'll teach a class this Sunday. And so um, one Sunday after another Sunday after another Sunday and 12 years later. So we got to see these little kids grow up until they're teenagers. Um, they're working. A lot of them are working. They've got jobs. And we just love them. It's, it's different. It's, it's just so different. I don't know how to explain it. If any of you are teachers here, it's like you have the students for one year and then they, you know, rotate out and you have new students. But we had these same kids, same kids. It was a community that we reached into and we poured into. And that community, I would say that these children would have all grown up in a Catholic home if, if they even had any religion at all. It would have been Catholic. And so um, just through the faithfulness and through the obedience of what God had us do, little by little, every Sunday just adds up over time. And then I would say that these kids now, they are praying kids. They pray to Jesus. So thank you, Jesus. He can do anything. So amen. Well, today we're going to talk about God's heart for the nations. And um, let me start with Fire International. So... Um, Fire International, after my husband and I uh, ministered to those children, um, our church actually shut down, and I was actually at a very low place. And I was like, well, God, we poured our heart into this, and now what? It was like, we just didn't know, and we were really seeking God. God, where do you want to use us? You know, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. How can you use me? I didn't know. Everything had stopped. And so I was seeking him and seeking his heart. And he opened up the door for me to work here at Fire International. This is a missionary sending agency, and I got the privilege of working there for about two years. Um, we have about 125 missionaries, and you can download this app if you're interested in reading about any missionaries. We have missionaries all around the world. Um, you probably won't find the ones in the closed countries. You would have to call Fire International because we're very protective of the missionaries if they're in any kind of hostile environment. But, um, yeah, we've got them all over the place, and it's an incredible place. You can check it out. You can read newsletters. And um, there's one missionary I'm thinking of right now. Her name is Leanne Peterson, and she's a missionary to Ukraine. And um, as you know, everything that's going on there. Um, she could definitely use your prayers. So um, thank you, Jesus, for Fire International. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, Your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. So amen, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for your blood. It's for all of us, every tribe, 
every language, every people, and every nation. And what is God's heart? What is his vision that the whole earth would be filled with his glory? And Habakkuk 2 verse 14 in New King James, it says that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So can you just picture that? I mean, as the waters cover the sea, the whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That is the Lord's heart. That is his heart. So um, you guys have these uh, little flyers that you got, or uh, is that what you call them? Whatever, you know, these little pieces of paper. And Acts 1 verses 1 through 9 we're going to look at. So I'll just go ahead and read um, right from the little paper. We've got the whole scripture there, or if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Acts 1, verses 1 through 9. This is in the NIV version. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So, wow, this is really important. This is right before Jesus' Jesus's last instructions that he gave his followers. I think that is so important. Um, you know, I just had, uh, my mom just went to heaven here a few months back, and I'm just thinking about anybody Anybody that would give a person last instructions, if they're like, okay, this person's getting ready to go to heaven, and let's gather the children and the grandchildren and have everybody come, and they're sitting there and they're waiting to hear, what are they going to say? And say the person's last instructions were, um, I want you to build a house on a plot somewhere in Tennessee. Well, don't you think that all of those children and Everyone, that part of that family would go about it. They would do. They would set their heart to that mission. They would do the last words. The last words of someone are extremely important. So this is the last instructions Jesus gave to the disciples right before he was taken up. So we have to really think about that. So let's look again at Acts 1, verses 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we receive power with the Holy Spirit. We are blessed. I love a God. I love a God that's like, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to prosper you, and I'm going to give you power. Well, amen, sign me up, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But what is that power for? What has he given that to us for? It's to be his witnesses. It's to share it with others. It's to pour out. He fills in. He blesses us. He blesses us, and we pour it out. We pour it out. That is his vision. That is his heart, and that is his desire for everyone in this room. So um, let's look. So in this scripture, Jesus was speaking. He was in Jerusalem, and he was speaking to Jews in Jerusalem, right? So he's, he's speaking to people, and when he's saying, I want you to, you're going to minister, you're going to share, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses exactly where you're at now. So for each of us, 
we are to be, our Jerusalem is Utah. It's Sandy, Utah, or Midville, Utah, or wherever we live, Utah. I'm new to this place, but you know what I'm saying. It's wherever you live. So it's the same culture. So on your notes, there's some lines there. If you want to take notes, you could write that. Um, You could, maybe beside Jerusalem, I would write E0, and I will explain that later. Uh, E stands for evangelism and zero. Um, And then you could write same culture. This is, um, when we're talking about this, we're talking about our family. We're talking about our friends. We're talking about coworkers. We're talking about just your circle of people where God has already placed you, your Jerusalem, right? And then so we go out. So Judea is close to Jerusalem, right? So that, you're talking about a similar culture. It's something nearby. So if you want to write that, you could write similar culture or nearby. That would have been the equivalent of when my husband and I were ministering to the children. They were only 5, 10, not even 15 minutes away from the church. They were Spanish. Well, the parents were Spanish-speaking, but the kids are technically, they were born here, so they're American. So I could teach and, and speak English to them, even though they were Spanish. I could teach and speak English. So it was a nearby, but it was still a little bit different. So that would have been considered our Judea, I guess. Um, Then there's Samaria. Oh, and you could write Judea. I would write E1 beside that as well. And then Samaria, you could write E2. um, And that, Samaria is a more distant culture. It's uh, cross-culturally or a different language. There are even, I would say, often disliked. Um, and we were, what was it, last week, I think um, Chase was sharing scriptures about the Jews and the Samaritans. They didn't seem to get, to get along very well, right? Like the Sons of Thunder, remember they wanted to like, yeah, they didn't like the Samaritans. It's in the Bible over and over and over again. They were disliked. So God is saying that, hey, you guys are here, you're Jews, you're in Jerusalem, but you're going to go out also to Judea, and you're even going to go to the Samaria. And they're probably like, what? But yes, that's God's heart. He wants us to go to all these places, even if in your own heart, you're honestly saying, I dislike whatever. You know, Jonah, when Jonah was, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, did he? That's why he was in the belly of the well, right? He didn't want to preach to the people. He didn't, they were disliked. So God takes us out of our comfort zone, right? And he'll do that slowly. He'll start, he'll start with Jerusalem, just where you're at. Oh, let me share this with my cousin. They don't know Jesus. It's a simple conversation. Everyone can do that. You might be at the grocery store. You might be buying something at the register, and, the, and you just hear the Holy Spirit say something. You know, give him a word of encouragement. God loves you. Something simple. He starts simple. He doesn't ask too much of you. Start simple. I love the message where Dom did. He did an amazing message on Wednesday about obedience and just walking it out, right? Walking one thing, God will show you one little thing, one little step, next little step. Next little step. And before you know it, you're, you're getting more confident. You're building. You've done more. You've done more. And he can trust you with more. But at first, you're like, no, God, what are you asking me to do? So honestly, I mean, I'm just saying honestly. It's not always easy, guys. And this message is not for missionaries. This is not, sometimes we hear the gospel. Sometimes we hear these scriptures like this. And we're like, oh, well, that's missions work. That's mission. No, it's for you. These are his last instructions saying, do this. So start where you're at. And then so Samaria is the more distant culture, different language, often disliked. Then you have uttermost. You can write E3 there. That is a radically different culture, um, different language. There's geographic barriers there as well. And the reason why I had you do E0, E1, E2, E3 is because when you're in Jerusalem, you have, when you're in your Jerusalem, your same culture, your family, your friends, your coworkers, you have zero barriers, right? The people you live with, you've got no barriers to overcome there. When you're in Judea, 
a little nearby culture, you might have one possible barrier. Like for me, I didn't, I speak some Spanish, but I'm not fluent. My husband is. So he would go into the neighborhoods and he could talk to the parents and he could get their trust to bring the kids to church. But the few times I actually went into the neighborhood when I wasn't just sitting in church teaching my lesson, the few times I went into that neighborhood, that was a little, that was kind of like a barrier to me a little bit. I didn't, I had, there was a little language barrier which I had to trust him to help me with. Okay, so you'll have one barrier in your Judea, whatever your Judea is. And then Samaria, E2, you've got two barriers. So you may have language and you may have, I don't know, culture. It could be religion. It could be something different. Just two barriers that you have. And then E3, you've got three barriers. So it's linguistic barriers, totally different language, cultural barriers, totally different culture, and then even geographic barriers like Nepal or something. I'm not going to climb up a mountain. I don't have the physical stamina for that. And I don't think I could even go. And you guys, I'm talking about this, but hello, I need all this too because yes, I've supported missionaries and there's different things to do. You can pray for them. All of us can pray. We can send. We can help by giving. I'm more a supporter. I'm not necessarily a goer. He hasn't gotten me there yet, right? He's started me in my Jerusalem. And I'm okay there. Then I went out to my uh, Samaria or whatever, and I'm kind of okay there. But he hasn't really got me too much to the ends of the earth, me personally. And that's okay. I know my body is not created right now to be able to handle different foods, whatever. We've all got our things and our barriers. But does God want this? Is that his heart? Yes, it certainly is. All right. So, and, oh, sorry, guys. All right, Revelation 7, verse 9, the outcome of it when we are actually obedient and do these things as he asked us, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Can you imagine that? Thank you, Jesus. Something that we've done in our lives will get to heaven one day, and we will see We will see the fruit. We will see the outcome. We will see the different people groups that, because of our obedience, are there. Thank you, God. All right. So God's strategy to target individual people groups is a great commission. It's to go and make disciples of all nations. And that scripture, go and make disciples of all nations, the word nations there is ethnos, which is a people group. So go and make disciples of all people groups is what that scripture is actually saying. And uh, several years ago, there was a poll, a a Barna poll, and um, it was in 2017, I believe. And they actually uh, asked churchgoers, they asked churchgoers, they said, "Um, have you ever heard of the Great Commission? So if you've never heard of the Great Commission until today, it's okay. Do you know the uh, statistics for that report? 51% of churchgoers have never even heard of the Great Commission. So you can't care about something you don't even know about, right? But today, you guys know about it. So we can care about it, right? And probably I'm going to say this is a real Bible-believing church that more than 51% in this room most likely know it. But if you never heard it until today, don't feel bad. Half the people, church people, haven't heard of that. So that's all right. That was what the poll said. And then um, 25% of those people said, yes, they've heard of it. But they weren't really sure. They couldn't really recall it. They're like, yeah, I think I've heard of the Great Commission, but I'm not, I don't really, I can't really explain it. And then 17% said, yes, I know the Great Commission, and this is what it means. Only 17% of churchgoers. And 6% said they were not sure. They, they didn't even know if they've ever heard of it. So the Great Commission is uh, Matthew 28, verse 19. It's on your flyer as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus say, consider going? Did Jesus say, pray about going? 
Then did Jesus say, go, we all need to go. So Jesus, Jesus, was, on, Jesus was on a mission when he was here. Everything he did, he did, everything he did was what the Father had him to do. He did nothing outside of what the Father would have him to do. So he was very mission. He would just, he was going, he was making his disciples, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing, he was setting the example for us. And then as his last words, he's like, I've set the example your turn. Tag, you're it. Look at your neighbor and say, tag, you're it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so God has passed that baton off to you. You are it. All right. So we are, you call it commission, but it's actually co-mission. We are co mission with Jesus. How incredible. How strong. How powerful. Power. Why? Why do I have the power? Why do we have the power? Why? To be his witnesses. Why do we have the blessing? To be his witnesses. To share him. This is a word for everybody. Everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you would consider us to share and to, to, to be like you, God, to partner with you exactly. Amen. What a privilege. So people group. A people group is a group of individuals who share a common history and heritage as well as ethnic, linguistic, and cultural traits. Okay, that's simple. We pretty much know that, right? So there's some staggering statistics. Now, these will, like, whoa. If you really let them, they will touch your heart. 7.7 billion, over 7, over 7.7 billion people are in the world today. Three point, over 3.28 billion of those are considered unreached. What does that mean? They have no access to a Christian. There's probably no access to a church. They may not even have access to a Bible. They are unreached. They have never met somebody, most likely. They have never met and possibly never will meet unless... We follow what the instructions of Jesus say. They're unreached. They're not, they haven't heard of Jesus. It's so sad, you guys. That is billions of people. Not millions. Billions. I can't even picture in my head how much a billion people. There's so many people. 3.28 billion come, are unreached. So over 50,000 people die every day without ever having heard the name of Jesus. And I did the math. That means 1.4 million people die every month who have never heard about Jesus. You guys, that's, if we let that really touch our heart, man. So if we don't go, if we don't send, if we don't give, and if we don't pray, how many people are going to die who have ever, never heard Jesus, who have never heard the gospel? This next scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure that many of you know what that already is. Yeah? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you, Jesus. What if I had put John 3, 16? You guys would have known that one too, right? Yeah. We have the word of God in our heart. In America, we have heard it so much that we don't even have to have the scripture written. We just know it. We take for granted so much that we're given. And others, why is it that some people groups have 500 or more chances to hear about Jesus and others don't even have one? It, like, breaks God's heart. So we're just blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing. Let's Spill that blessing on the others, right? Okay, so next one, um, World A, we'll call that America. So what are we talking about? We're talking about in America we've got born-again believers or we have the religious. We have people who at least know about Jesus or have heard of that, about him, whether they've accepted him or, him or not. That's a different story, but a lot of them have head knowledge. If you mention Jesus, 
almost anybody in America is going to at least have heard of him, right? There's a church all over the place. Oh, this is an interesting fact, by the way. Thank you to my coworker friend. So, McDonald's. Guess how many McDonald's? There are 13,673 McDonald's in America. That's a lot of McDonald's. There's like McDonald's all over the place here, right? You don't have to travel very far. No matter what state you're in, you're going to see a McDonald's. 13,673 McDonald's in America. How many churches are there in America? 380,000 churches are in America. Way, 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 way more churches than there are McDonald's. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. So, World B, that's a tribal, Hindu, unreligious, Muslim, or Buddhist. Those are the people that we're talking about, the most of the unreached. They're going to believe those things, and they're not going to have access to 380,000 churches. They might not even have one. I just looked up, um, out of curiosity, I just decided to look up Afghanistan. Do they have any churches anywhere? They have one Catholic church that's been there since like 1930 or something. But then don't you know that there's a lot of discrimination and hostility and all these things, these places, and I'm not you know, saying just Afghanistan, Pakistan. I mean, you just name place after place after place. There's a ton of unreached places where they don't have that blessing of church around the street corner. So this is the 1040 window. Um, it goes, it's the equator, the 10 and the 40. It is 97% um, of the world's unreached people groups live inside that 1040 window. It goes all the way from Africa to Japan. So you can see it there in the red. That is where the majority of also, the population live. In America, we're so blessed, but do you know that we're only 4 point, I don't know, 25% or something. It's less than 5% of the entire world's population is us Americans. We, like, you look at the continent and you think, oh, wow, we represent a lot. No, we don't. We're not even 5%. The majority of the population is, like, jam-packed in that little window right there. Okay, so here's another picture of the 1040 window, um, the darker color there. You can see it's unreached or the least reached. That means that less than 3% of the population has ever heard about Jesus. Less than 3%. And as I said, the majority of the population lives there. China is like the number one in population. India is going to probably surpass them here soon. They're very, very close. There's like crowds of people, man. It's just crazy the amount of people, and they haven't heard about Jesus. So unreached people group, what is it? It's a people group who lack a community of indigenous Christians able to evangelize the rest of the people group without any outside help, so they need help. Some more statistics. There are 17,400 people groups in the world. That's a lot of people groups. 42% of those have no access to the gospel. None. Matthew 24, verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Again, that word nations is ethne, meaning people groups or ethnic groups. How many languages are there in the world? 7,151 languages. That's a lot of languages. I speak not many. <laughs> I can speak what I'm speaking now, and I can speak un poco espanol. Like, not a whole lot of Spanish. Konnichiwa. I can say hello there. So, <laughs> so I don't know about you guys. Maybe, more, maybe you guys speak more than I do for sure, but I don't know, man. That's a lot of languages. Years ago, I actually worked as a dispatcher, a 911 dispatcher, a long time ago. And uh, when people called there, we, they actually had like a, a line where you could call, and if they spoke a different language, they could get help. But man, it took time. When somebody's in an emergency, it took time. Anyway, I don't know. Got off on a tangent. Sorry, God. So welcome. All right, here, the Museum of the Bible is in Washington, D.C. I went there um, several years ago. Oh, it's actually 2017. It's been more than a few. But I went there. Man, that place is beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go to D.C., go to the Museum of the Bible. Oh, my goodness, you'll love it. 
1,525 languages have the New Testament. Out of those 7,000, over 7,000, 7,151 languages, only 1,525 of them have the New Testament. And only 671 languages have the full Bible. That was back in 217. They may have, you know, added two or three by then. But it takes a long time to write the whole Bible. So, yeah. Anyway, you guys... 671 languages only have the full Bible out of over 7,000. What? The fact that we even have the Word of God in our language is such a blessing. Such a blessing. That means that at least 1.5 billion people do not have the full Bible in their language. That's more than the entire continent of Africa. It's crazy. So what can we do? Yay, what can we do, God? What can we do? Surely we can all pray. We can all pray. We can all share and we can all give. And yeah. So how can you guys get involved? How can we get involved? That's the big question, right? I'm saying all of this stuff and it's like, oh, oh, oh. But what can we do, right? So what can we do? Um, we can pray for unreached people groups, but how do you even find them? How do you know where they're at? How, I mean, they're unreached, right? So you can go to a website. It's called joshuaproject.net, and um, there's a picture of the, uh, I guess it was the website or it could be the app. I don't know. It was years ago. I, I kind of created this a while back, but um, yeah. Anyway, there's joshuaproject.net. You can go on that website, and you can find the people groups really interesting information, guys. You can get all kinds of info there. And so here is just one of the many uh, things found on that website. There's 50 of the largest unreached people groups are there. Um, and here's like a list of some of them. You see the country, the unreached people group, the name of the group, the population of the group. And since this is 50 of the largest unreached people groups, this is every single one of those 50 has a population of over 10 million people or more. 10 million is like a low number. In this very page I printed, I'm, I'm seeing the lowest number is like 11,000 something. So all of these people groups have over 10 million people in them. 10 million, millions and millions and millions, millions and 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 millions of people groups. They need to hear about Jesus. So those are the religions currently we're going to change that. We've got world changers in this room. So we're going to talk about Ames.org. And Ames.org is a wonderful, wonderful resource, wonderful website. And in fact, the majority, probably 90%, the majority of what you're hearing me say today all comes from Ames. So aims.org is a nonprofit organization committed to bringing the gospel to every unreached people group in the world. They, uh, they offer a whole lot, a whole lot, and we'll get more into some of the things, but the thing that's coming to my mind at this moment is uh, they have like a training. They do trainings for churches, and um, back in North Carolina, I went to a week-long training from Ames. So they'll come in, and they'll do different trainings, and they just share so much about the unreached people groups and how we can help. Um, so they put together an initiative. They saw that all these people groups need help. What can they do, they asked, and so they figured it out. Um, they came up with an initiative called Light 3500. It's an initiative birthed in prayer to target and reach 3,500 unreached people groups in five years. And how are they going to do that? They need help. They're going to do that through partnerships and through people group adoptions. So um, they have a heart to reach these people, and they are including you. They need your help. Um, you can partner with them in many different ways, whether that's just education, whether it's downloading their app, whether it's visiting their website, whether it's listening to their podcast, whether it's praying, whether it's going on the joshuaproject.net and learning of the people groups. There's so, so, so many ways you can get involved. So Light 3500, what is that? Again, uh, we'll go to the next one here. And it, what are you agreeing to? Um, you're agreeing to pray for, to send by giving, or help financially towards to see the progress of a people group you're giving towards. So basically, Ames has given us the opportunity to adopt 
impact a people group. So yay, excited, excited Bangladesh flag. Yay. So yay, Bangladesh, woo! You guys can hold up your little Bangladesh dance, whatever. <laughs> little Bangladesh break, everyone get a break. Thank you. <laughs> so yay, you guys. This church has adopted a group in Bangladesh. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you guys. You'll hear way more about this. You'll hear more in the coming months and things like that. We'll give reports to you guys. We're going to hear reports back from Ames. They give reports every three months of the missionary that they have in Bangladesh reaching the specific people group. Do I share that, God? Yes, he said I can. So we are uh, adopting a people group. They are called the Sheikh, the Sheikh people group in Bangladesh. And the reason why I'm going to share that, but we don't share more, is because we're protecting the missionary that's sent there. So their identity, we don't have their name of them, but we know the people group. So the people group is the Sheikh people group. This is an example of what a, like one of the people groups is. It's a different people group, not the one we're adopting, but um, this is one. This is an example. This is the Chamar people. They live in India. And the Chamar people are considered untouchable. To be untouchable, according to the Indi Indian Hindu tradition, is to be undesirable and unworthy of any sort of consideration or provision by society. This translates into frequent joblessness, lack of education, and lifelong poverty. They're actually considered more tribal than Hindu because even Hindus don't want to identify them because they're such a low caste. So you can learn about them. Um, that's just one of the many people groups you can find on joshuaproject.net. Um, where do the Chamars live? They live in a place called Uttar Pradesh in a little city called Kampur. Um, I shouldn't say little city. Um, that city, Kampur, has got a population almost equivalent of the entire state of Utah. People are like sardines, man. They're, the population is so great there, and they need to hear about Jesus. So that's another one right there, the one, the slide after that. We've got, according to the, the maybe two weeks ago, these were the most greatest needs of adoption, uh, people groups that live in Bangladesh, Indonesia, and other places as well, Pakistan. Um, so... I have a table, like we're going to have a table outside after the um, service today. There's a table outside. I'll be sitting there. And I have um, examples. Hold on. Let me put the microphone down. I have examples. I'm not showing the name on purpose here because if it's being filmed, but um, I'll have these cards out at the table and you will see 10 different choices of different people groups. There's 10 different people groups that they are literally reserving for this church right now. So if anybody as an individual wants to adopt a people group as well, you can do that and you can come see me. I'll, I'll get your name. I'll get your email and I'll have somebody from Ames reach out to you on like probably Monday or Tuesday. Like they'll reach out to you very, very, very soon. The gentleman's name is Nathan. He's extremely helpful, and he's the one that got us um, signed up here at this church for Bangladesh. So you guys can get involved. How can God use you? You could be adopting a people group. How cool is that? Amen. So yeah, um, come see me after church. So since 1985, Ames has trained more than 170,000 leaders worldwide. They have planted more than 51,000 churches, and as a result, 34.3 million people have heard the gospel. Man, 3.1 million people have found Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All glory goes to you. Thank you, Jesus. You guys are thinking, is this good ground to put a seed into? Yes, it is. Look at the fruit of that. So the strategic missions, Ames went to a training a couple years back. They did a training in India and where they trained indig indigenous missionaries. 
And um, after that training, they asked the field, they call them field workers, but they're the missionaries that actually live within India. So they don't have to worry about it being E3 for them. They don't have linguistic barriers. They don't have cultural barriers. They don't have geographic barriers. They're already there. They're the field workers. They're ready to share the gospel. So they had 50 field workers attend that training for Ames, and after that training, they asked all 50 of the church or of the field workers, "Do you think you could plant any churches this year?" And all of them, all 50 of them, said, "I think I could plant 20 churches." All 50 of them are going to plant 20 churches in one year. So when I'm talking about church plants, I'm not talking about beautiful buildings. I'm talking about more like what we consider in America to be like kind of like a Bible study or like meeting in somebody's basement or something like that, you know, meeting in a home. That's what they have to do in many of these places. The gospel's not necessarily received in these places. And so they might have to kind of be a little more secretive about it or whatever, but these people are willing to go against any kind of opposition and anything. We need to be praying for them. So please pray for our Bangladesh people. And um, yeah, and yeah, they're going to plant here. This, these statistics said in that one location, they would plant a thousand new churches in that year. So that's incredible. So people group adoption is caring for the eternity of a people group and serving them until they come to know the life-transforming power of Jesus. And there's three levels of adoptions. I've actually personally adopted um, some as well, but um, you can adopt at $30 per month. So I would say probably a lot of us in here have that, you know, just ask God, is this what you want? I mean, he told us to go. He told us to do it. This is a way that we could easily do it just by giving, right? And so $30 a month, if you're interested in adopting a people group, you can do that as an, an individual. And you get to, he, you get, you get like this whole little cute adoption. They'll send you a UP, Unreached People Group adoption guide after you pick your group. They'll mail this to you at your house. And you can read about them and you can pray about them and you'll learn about their culture. And, and you will get reports back from the missionary. And they'll say, well, you know what? These past three months, we've shared Jesus with 70 people that have never heard his name before. And out of those 70 people, 37 got saved. Thank you, Jesus. And out of those 37 that got saved, 18 of them got baptized. So how cool is that? You get to hear the report. If you choose to adopt them, you can also adopt them at $100 per month level. And if you do that, then you're not only um, helping towards the missionary and helping towards the one that oversees the missionary that can actually speak English as well to give back those reports to us, but you're also um, putting money into holistic projects because we want them to be self-sustaining. So if they can have, I don't know, cows and sell milk or chickens and you know I don't know there's different projects that you can do for holistic projects that will keep them in those places self-sustaining so if you decide to adopt at that higher level um, then that'll go towards that and the $300 per month if you're just aching to give that that helps the Ames leaders uh, train these people throughout the world um, so there's power in prayer together together Together, 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 we can make a difference among the nations. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you, God. I'm sorry we've taken it for granted or I've taken it for granted. God, you've blessed me so much. You've blessed all of us here so much, God. Others don't have, they don't have the access. They don't, they, they, oh God, just let this stay on the people's hearts today. Let it not just be a message or a teaching. Let, let this be a room of difference makers, God difference makers. Together we can do this, God. I thank you, God, that you've given us instructions 
Oh, how important your instructions, your last instructions to go and that you trust us, God. You trust us to do that. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, for the weight of that responsibility, God, that we would please you, that there would be others around the throne in white robes, God, praising you, God, from all the nations. Touch hearts, God. Speak to those that are to adopt a people group to make a life-transforming difference in a people group, God. What an incredible opportunity. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, turn to your neighbor and say, Tag, you're it. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.